Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Not Suitable for Anyone. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode, uh, so I am just going to uh, jump right into it. I am joined by two filmmakers, uh, Brian Darwas and Jennifer Carchetta, who uh, made a film called Get My Gun. Before we even kind of get into the movie, I just want to say that everything about the marketing of this movie was sort of you know, designed to to lure me in, um, because you have the marketing photos of, you know, a nun holding a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, like, I'm like, okay, immediately I have questions. Um, but then, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but then the, um, even the, the, the synopsis, uh, which I think is just sort of perfectly phrased. It gives you, gives you accurate information about the plot but really like tells you it tells you nothing really but makes you like want to you know, want to know more and I'll just read like from the back of the box it says after an innocent prank leaves Amanda pregnant and out of a job she finds herself on the verge of motherhood and the target of a psychotic stalker <laughs> a lot going on there <laughs> yeah, like like wait what what kind of innocent prank um do you end up pregnant at the end you know <laughs> So, you know what, it was kind of a little, it's so funny, I guess, that you mentioned that because I guess there have been some folks who have like kind of misinterpreted that part of the synopsis where, you know, the, the, the innocent prank was the prank that her friend was pulling by switching the tags on the door, which was supposed to just kind of be like a fun prank between the the two main characters, but obviously went horribly wrong because then that brought her into the room where she, unfortunately, that, that terrible scene happens. Um, Not the terrible scene being the innocent prank, you know what I mean? And so like the, the wording got a little tricky. And so there were some people who questioned us about that. And we had to be like, no, 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 we're not saying that the attack in and of itself is the innocent prank. Not at all. Oh I thought God. I thought it would be obvious, you know, right. that <laughs> I'm not referring to like an assault as a prank, you know? And it was weird. I saw a Twitter post where someone was like raging on about it. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't chime in and, and even like set the record straight, right? Because you're not supposed to respond ever. And a bunch <laughs> of people are going to start attacking me and it's going to turn into a fight. And it's just, yeah. So like someone takes a do not disturb tag off the door. So the friend goes into the room and has an embarrassing moment, right? Spoiler alert. So that's a little, <laughs> that's a prank you pull on someone. But the the innocent idea of that turns into a fucking nightmare, right? right? So that that's what I meant when I wrote the synopsis. Right, I don't know. right. <laughs> so other other people, a few. I'm not saying other people. Maybe like ten percent of people didn't read it that way. Didn't yeah. read it that way, and it became a little bit of an issue. But I mean, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they get it. Maybe now. we're setting it straight. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I th- Prank I th- is the fucking door tag. It's the door tag. <laughs> yeah, the door tag. Yeah, I mean, I think reasonable people understand that, but as you know, you know, social media is not exactly a, a haven of reasonableness. Oh, not at all. But it's also just, I think that like uh, intention is lost these days because everything yeah. is written. Everyone's just reading written words, and they just like if I'm explaining it to you after an innocent prank, you know, and I I explain it to you, and you can read my body language, and you know that I'm not a lunatic. You'll understand it, right? But if you're just reading it and it's a movie you never heard of, made by someone you don't know, 
I guess it's just easy for someone to misinterpret it. I don't know. <laughs> you're 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 being really kind there with your. Uh... Yeah, I try. I try to be. <laughs> the older I get, the kinder I try to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's one thing that I've I've sort of learned in you know sort of kind of getting to know you over the past uh, um, you know past couple of years in and and this goes for I think a lot of filmmakers in general is I mean you, you've you've made a really brutal revenge film um but you know both of you really have uh you know a kind heart and a kind soul and i think that um you know that comes through in your you know in your in your daily life but yeah sometimes you put you know you put your work out there and that's all people see and they don't really see the person or the people behind the work that's a really good point i think that that happens a lot right you don't get to know the artists or the creatives or the people behind what you read or what you see painted on a wall or photograph or a film. Well, right? someone, someone thinks you thought of this, right. you must be an asshole, you know, or you right. must be a terrible person because you're you capable made a movie about something terrible, of thinking right? this. Right. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm a nice guy. Right. I save animals. I help blind people cross the street. You know, I'm like the nicest fucking guy in the world. Like, so I don't know, it's weird. The nicest guy? Yeah, one of them. <laughs> I'm one of the nicest people I, I personally know. Uh, yeah, you know, it was yeah. bias opinion, but who knows? I was uh, I was at a Q and A with Nacho Vigalondo um, when he was uh, when he was going around with um, what was the the Anne Hathaway movie uh, Colossal mm-hmm. uh, that he made, and and that was one comment that he made is that he he thought that um, he thought that rom coms were scary. Oh, you know, <laughs> the movies that he made weren't scary, but <laughs> romantic comedies are what terrified him. Actually. <laughs> They can. And I am nice because we screened oh, our we film go. at a film festival <laughs> and someone started attacking me with provocative questions and I just I stood there like an idiot and just let it go on because I didn't want to be a jerk, right? Someone paid to see the movie, they had their opinion and they're sharing it. And I was nice about it. Yeah. And it got worse. And the nicer I was, <laughs> the worse it got. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, this is awful. So next time I won't be nice. You know, I guess that's the lesson that I learned. Yeah. Well, sometimes people like that are just looking for a confrontation. So they 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 just continue to sort of get more aggressive or the nicer the nicer that you are. This person was looking to complain <laughs> and hassle me. It was it was apparent the tone, just everything was apparent. But whatever. I mean, I guess that comes with making that stuff. Comes with when you put you yeah. know, when you put something out there that that comes with the territory, yeah. right? I've played in a band where I've walked off the stage and someone has been like, your band sucks. And I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I guess you have to just learn to uh, deal with it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a video on YouTube of, I don't remember what festival it was, if it was Khan or Stages or, or somewhere. Um when they premiered The Woman by Lucky McKee. Mm-hmm. And some guy just like, completely lost it um, and couldn't accept oh. that anyone would, you know, find the film to be, you know, in any way acceptable. And, uh, you know, just had a, had a complete meltdown, had to be escorted out of the Q&A. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I, could, I wish. <laughs> I wish someone would faint during a movie I made or storm the fuck out, you know? It's good, uh, it's good publicity. <laughs> So how yeah, crowd's reaction to that, just out of curiosity. Uh, yeah, I mean the crowd wanted him because I mean he was being disruptive to mm-hmm. you know to the process, okay. and um, 
Yeah, and and I mean the the movie does push boundaries for sure. I don't know if you guys have seen the woman, um, but it's it's a boundary pushing film. Uh, but you know it's the kind of one that that I would think that if you're you know if you're going to a fest a genre festival, um, you know you're going to kind of expect to right. to see. Well, half of it's like, what are you doing here? You know, why do we even walk in the room? You know, like, you're at a horror film festival. I'm sure you read a review. I'm sure there's a synopsis. I'm sure there was a trailer. I'm sure you can look to the director's past work, right? Like, so you should have some sort of ex- expectations that you're going to see something shocking or terrible. I don't know. I'm yeah. not easily moved by stuff, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, how far can you take it? You know, more like that's because we've seen everything, right? Every crazy right. thing's been done in a movie. So right. I want to yeah. see the next craziest thing that someone can do. And if you can come up with some crazy shit, I applaud it. I like it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean. And we'll, and, and we'll get there. But I mean, it's, it's clear that you that you guys have uh, have a deep, um, you know, working vocabulary of, you know, sort of the revenge genre and and um you know, in the horror genre in general, just by it's it's evident just by you know sort of watching the film. Oh yeah, I mean, I've been watching the first movie when I was a kid. I think might have been twelve years old, maybe younger, ten years old. And the, my mother's at the video store. My mother's like, "You can pick a movie. You can pick the movie now. Now's your chance to pick your first movie." And I picked Herschel Glenn Lewis's Wizard of Gore. And I picked a documentary about Dario Argento, World of Horror, I think it's called. Like, those are the two movies I picked as, like, a 10-year-old kid. And just from there, I've just been watching and absorbing and just eating up horror movies and exploitation movies just my whole life. I don't know. I love it. Yeah, same with me. I, my mom is, a, is still a huge horror fan. Um, and even my earliest memories are just even her bringing me to the movies with her because I guess she didn't have anyone to go with at the time. And it was, you know, she would usually take me. And then when my little brother came along, it was him. Um, and my earliest memories are my mom being in the theater with us, taking us to see not what other kids were in the theater to go see at the time. <laughs> so um, we've always been like a horror household. You know, and then like Brian said, when home video came along, those are my other earliest memories are just being in the video store and my brother and I grabbing like, you know, every weekend, two or three of the, you know, most ridiculous looking horror boxes off the shelf. And so for better or for worse, I don't know if it was necessarily a good thing, but there was zero censorship in my house. So (laughs) I grew up seeing a lot of wild horror movies. My parents let me watch anything. And my mom drew the line at nudity. And I wanted to see the movie Zapped with Scott Bayo. It was on HBO. We were at my grandmother's house. She had HBO. We didn't. And my mother forbid Zapped. She would not let me see this so fucking weird. movie. And it's awful, right? Because there's a boob in it. She did not want me to see this boob. But I could watch any horror, no matter how graphic or insane. Yeah. But zapped. She drew the line. <laughs> zapped. I don't know. Yeah. Then I saw it as an adult. And I was like, this like, movie sucks. She, yeah. Why is she this? Yeah. Yeah. No. For you know, like I said, for better or for worse, there was zero censorship of anything in my house. So I we saw it all when we were little. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, we're we we tend to be kind of prudish about sex and nudity. Uh, and and not as much about violence. Um, one one of my favorite lines 
uh, you know, growing up, I remember like I remember watching it was just some random episode of Roseanne, and the uh, the younger daughter, I think it was Darlene, was saying like her friends were coming to pick her up because they were going to an R-rated movie, and you know, and Roseanne was like, you know, you're not going to see an R-rated movie, and she just looks at her and goes, "It's not sex, mom. It's just violence." And she's like, "Oh, okay, carry on." <laughs> By all means, here's twenty bucks. <laughs> so, um, all right. And then let's. I want to talk about the opening shot of the film um, because this is a this is this is a great shot, and you're establishing a lot of a lot of stuff like right away before even the first cut, um, where you know we're opening on on the on a on a woman dressed as a nun, and you know then the you know the, so the camera sort of pulls out, and you see her you know pushing a uh, an infant or a toddler on on a swing, and so so talk to me a little bit about you know sort of like. It's a very memorable opening shot. There's there there aren't as many movies that I can necessarily recall exactly what the opening shot is, uh, but this is this is definitely one of them. And and there are some out there that are just memorable like that and just kind of establish certain things right off right off the gate. Well, I want I wanted the movie to start and end on the main character's face, right? So you so so that happens. You watch the end of the movie; it ends on her face. The credit sequence. In the beginning, I like stuff when, like, I don't, I don't want to say I dreamt the shot, but like I had like a daydream of that shot of the idea you see someone's face. Then it goes back, as, oh, she's a nun. Then it goes back a little further. Oh, maybe she's not a nun. Oh, she has a kid. Uh, they were in a park, you know? And like, so in the first like 30 seconds of the movie, it just continually reveals more and more information. And that's kind of how I like imagine that shot that I would just you'd start just on the person's face and you wouldn't know what's going on. And as you watch it, OK, OK, oh, I got it now. And it just slowly pulls out and the environment that she's in reveals more information about the story. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And I and I, I love that every time and it grabs your attention right away. Um, you know, the title card kind of comes up, tells you that it's uh, that it's Halloween. Um, which you know, again, another just... thing a lot of people missed. Did you catch? Did you catch that? That it was Halloween. I was reading a review, and so this guy's like, "You shouldn't read. Don't read reviews. That's my Ever. piece of fucking advice. <laughs> if you're gonna make shit. Don't read reviews." Some guy was just—he was raging on about the movie. Ah, oh, this movie sucks. She became a nun. We don't even see her at a, a, a the nunnery. Where, where did nuns go? Uh, convents. Convents is where they live, but where do they oh. learn uh, to be a nun? I don't know. I don't know. The word escapes me. But he was angry that you didn't see this journey of her becoming a nun. And why did she choose choose to become a nun? I was like, <laughs> she's not a fucking nun. It's Halloween. <laughs> the kid's not a butterfly either. Yeah. They wearing costumes. Mentioned something about like the 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 little girl wearing like a butterfly costume, and he he didn't really understand why we chose these like ridiculous outfits for them, and like completely like ignored the fact that. There were jack-o'-lanterns. And... Except a trick-or-treat bag off the floor. Like, we thought we were making it pretty up. And it says October 31st on the screen. But aside from the subtitle, we thought we were making it just pretty obvious, you know? But I guess that's another thing someone just <laughs> misinterpreted. I don't know. Kind of I weird, think we but... may have a story for every misinterpretation yeah. of this film. What is it called? We're a nun studies. Well, whatever, a, mo- a monastery? Is that, a, is that a, a priest? That's for priest. I should know this, but I don't. Anyway, when we were filming that scene where she had him in the trunk and pointed a gun at him, there was 
who was actually down the street from like a, a, a convent. Yeah, a school. Oh, like an actual convent. Yeah. yeah. And nuns apparently would come to that park and play basketball all the time. And they were walking by and like giggling and watching us film the film. Applauding. They were clapping when she was like, get in the trunk. They were like, yeah. You know, so they were kind of psyched to see, you know, a nun in action. <laughs> Now, I, th- I thought I heard someone tried to run you over with their car, too, during the filming. That of- happened, too. Oh, that did happen, <laughs> yeah. as well. In the closing scene <laughs> on that road, that's a road called, it's, the name of that street is Shore Road. So if you look on a map of the Bronx and you look at the most northern part of the Bronx where it meets Pelham in Westchester County, there's a park called Pound Bay Park with a golf course, and there's this long, winding road that connects the Bronx to Westchester. And it's a pretty busy street. Yeah. And while we were filming, some guy saw what we were filming and he just, he made this crazy like 90 degree turn, went across traffic, almost hit a car, drove up over like the the curb, went up onto the grass and he yeah. jumped out of the car and he's like, you just killed someone. It was Is that crazy. man dead? He started I'm going to call the police. Yeah, he started <laughs> screaming at his wife. Like, so I was trying to calm him down. I mean, like, like, so just the way we framed it, you can't see the main road. It's like off to the side yeah. of the road, but there's actually like, there was pretty decent traffic coming and yeah. going in both directions the entire time we were shooting. But for whatever reason, this guy... You know, like Brian said, he 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 jumps the road, he, he spins his car in, like nearly runs us over. He's got his car like parked right in front of where like Kate Hoffman is with with William Jose. And he's screaming. He jumps out of the car and begins like screaming to his wife to call the police. So I go over and I'm trying to explain to him like, sir, like, no, 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 it's OK. Like, and I, <laughs> I need everyone to kind of also understand that while this is ha- while i'm trying to calm him down there's a camera and you know like like sound a, design a, a like, you know like everyone's there like other at the special effects artists like people are like walking around like it was just crazy and fun you know he accused me of being a liar and that a murder had really taken place and we were showing him like well, the, said- the dummy the body yeah. without the head like we were like sir like this is what you saw and this this dummy is representing this actor right here and he just would not have it well he and was then, like i'm gonna call the police and i was like finally please, we were call like, the fucking call police because they'll yeah. yeah they'll settle the, the, the... at one point yeah we were just like <laughs> yeah. fine called please and call he did yeah and yeah he did call the police and the police came uh and we had to explain and to show that and like clearly the police were like ad like they were annoyed that they were called there for something so stupid well, in and, person you know. it was such an obvious dummy like yeah it was it might as well it, it just looked so ridiculous in person and the cop was kind of like dude you called me for this you know yeah. <laughs> and he told the guy to leave and but then that opened up the door to new york city parks department yeah, so this, now <laughs> this road is technically cutting through a park so somehow it's park property <laughs> so now the parks department is alerted <laughs> so now they're over there and they just kept coming back and interrupting and interrupting and interrupting and like finally i was like god guys please like we're not gonna leave we went back twice yeah we just kept like kind of leaving for a little bit and then coming back like once the parks department would like leave the area and some i guess somehow he kept getting alerted that we came back and he would come and we were like i finally i was just like god dude like we're just gonna keep coming back so 
can you just give us some time to get this shoot, this scene, and then you'll never see us again. Like, <laughs> like you'll just, you'll never hear from us again in your entire life. Um, <laughs> and he was totally like exasperated with us. And he, and he did, he grumbled and, and left and he, he didn't come back and bother us. And we got what we needed and that was great. <laughs> but I don't think he actually had any authority over the area. No, he was Like just that was the frustrating yeah. part. Because you don't need in New York City, or at least at the time, I don't know if it's changed. You actually don't need, if you're not shooting on a tripod, you actually do not need a permit. Um, you and can so, even use a tripod now. Can you, can't, you, now? You, can't run yeah. you can't run cables and you can't command control of the area. So you can't like block a street or tell people they can't walk by. But other than that, you could film whatever you want yeah. on the street in New York. One time when I was a kid, I was filming a short film. <laughs> we had a gun with blanks in it. We were shooting it off, filming it, and a cop came. Er, it screeched into the thing, jumped out, gun out, freaking out. And he was like, oh, you're filming something? You're shooting blanks? You should have told me. <laughs> All right. And then he got in the car and drove away. <laughs> that was a long time. He didn't check to see if we were. Yeah. He didn't even, like, verify what we were doing. We are staying there with a gun. He didn't. Just nothing. Yeah. 1990s New yeah. York City. Yeah, that was a long yeah. hour. Different. I was but, I've, um, I've heard the stories of... Um, uh, shoot, what, uh, Larry Cohen um, right. you know, oh, making God, films yeah. in New York. <laughs> that was even a better time. That was... <laughs> <laughs> you could get away with uh, so much more even then. But then the funny thing is, is we drove past the spot where we were filming like oh. a couple of weeks later and the, uh, the city and the parks department put up a huge guardrail. So <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess we caused... So the parks the department so yeah. much trouble that they actually put up a railing so you can't really like get to that area anymore <laughs> yeah that's wild but I, I guess i guess i owe edgar wright an apology um because when when baby driver came out like that was one of the things that i found so unrealistic was uh, i don't know if you guys have seen that one um, I have not seen. I don't it. think I've seen. I've heard it a lot about it, and I've meant to watch it a million times. And uh, it's if you're, watch it if now you're, I'm gonna watch. It. Yeah, if you're a fan of car chases, it's a great car I, chase I movie. Love car chases, and uh, they're bank robbers, uh, the main characters. And there's mm -hmm. in one of the robberies, like literally, just this random guy in a in a pickup truck and a Mac Ten, like shows up to try and like take them down in the middle of a heist, and it's like. Who is this guy? And like, why does he care that they're robbing some random bank? Like, he's not his cop. He's not a security guard. Right. <laughs> but I People guess. People care. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they want to insert themselves into whatever you're doing. Everywhere we filmed, at least one person stopped and this asked us true. to see a permit. Just a random person, not like yeah. a property owner or an official this anyone operating in an official yeah. capacity. Just random people were just like, you filming something? You got a permit? Can I see a permit? Yeah. You're because at first I just had like the New York City website on my phone and I was showing people and then it got so ridiculous that I just like started printing out the pages so I could just hand them to people showing that they didn't actually have any authority to request a permit. It's just random people like, <laughs> yeah. why are you even talking to me? You know, like I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm doing something and I need you to <laughs> Well, one scene, to go. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind that we were shooting in late may early june june into july and I was believe. it no 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 it was yeah. it went, was it that did we go that late yeah i think it was i got it written down so, somewhere. so not a time of the year when there's a great level of leaves on the floor um and while shooting one scene some guy came out saw that we were shooting went back inside his like gardening area and came out with a leaf blower and just stood there on the sidewalk and turned the leaf blower on <laughs> 
doing anything. He wasn't blowing leaves or anything. So, you know, sir, can we just please, you know, and he was just like, well, what are you guys doing? Making a movie? And we were like, yeah. And he just wouldn't turn the leaf blower off. (laughs) Just insanity. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, some people just just want to, I don't know, get in your way, I guess. Or they think they can get something out of it. I don't know. Block streets off. I mean, it's funny to laugh about. Not funny at the time, but it's hilarious to think about now. Well, someone could be such a pain in the ass that they could ruin the whole day if they really wanted to. Absolutely. Some dude could just stand there with a megaphone if he wanted to and just just destroy the whole day, right? Yeah. Um, Right. And well, and when you're a small production like that, I mean, one day could set you back months. Of course. How long did we shoot for? How many days? Twelve and a half days. Twelve and a half days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're working with that short of a time frame, you know, one day or even a couple of hours is a really big deal to lose. Every minute. We needed yeah. every minute. I don't We really think... did need every minute. Yeah. <laughs> we were frantic <laughs> for all the days. Yeah. Um, so the, the the last thing about this opening scene that I that I always it struck me right from the the beginning and every time i watch it um you know even even now every time i watch it i'm like okay she's got him in the trunk uh like how is she going to get him out of the car you know like she's because she's got the shotgun in her hand she's just one girl and he's kind of a large dude um Mm -hmm. and this has got to be like the the, one of the most creative ways i've seen of getting someone out of the trunk of a car that i've ever seen in my life (laughs) well it's it's the best way right she can't lift him (laughs) <laughs> and she's not going to ask him to get out on his own, right? So, <laughs> and, and he really did it, William. He allowed yeah. us to pull him out. I mean, that was real. Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah. It's, like, it's not like you can not like you have a, you know like actual like professional stuntmen and stuff like that that you can hire. No, no, we didn't. We were all really scared when we did. Well, I offered. <laughs> I offered to do it first. I was like, I'll do it first, so we'll see if it's safe or not. If I bang my head or like. Break my arm, you know, this isn't a good idea. I mean, we had padding yeah, everywhere and everything buried, was wrapped up. Yeah, we, we, we buried all these mats and threw like leaves yeah. on them. So like, I mean, it was as as safe as we could and have I, possibly made it. I built a little ramp in the trunk of the car. So we kind of so like slid off out. of that. Yeah. But I just thought about what if I was trying to get like a five, what if I was trying to get like a big fat guy out of a trunk by myself? How would I do it? that's how that's how i would personally do it right so that's how she does it yeah no i mean it's great it's like it's not something i would have thought of and like and every time i go back and i'm like oh wait how's she how's she gonna get him out of the trunk and i because I, I again it's just something that uh you know you don't think of so um but that's really cool and then um you know we kind of go from there to the to the title sequence and then kind of back to the beginning so so that we're going to find out why exactly she noticed this this man this random guy seemingly at at a park um and wanted to take her her revenge out on him um you know we go into chapter one which quite frankly makes me never want to stay in a hotel ever again (laughs) i don't know if that's what really happens but that's what i imagine (laughs) happens in hotels um and the hotel was a little gross yeah it was a little grody of a hotel we found a hotel that they were renovating and that's the one floor they didn't get to yet. So the guy that owned the hotel was like, you can film on there. You can do whatever you yeah. want. If you break something, don't worry about it. Cause that entire floor is just going to be gutted and redone. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's because it is the the whole movie as a whole is kind of timeless because like she's got a cell phone and she's got internet. She's using the internet, but then there's also you know pay phones and landlines. Mm-hmm. You know the hotel looks like something out of the eighties. Um, it's got this kind of like place out of time quality where it's not really pinned down to any like one particular time period. That was actually really important to yeah. us. We wanted to like incorporate like not only things from like our youth and and the time period of when we were younger but also like actual current time periods which is when it was taking place for me it's like i don't i don't want to be dated because i don't know how this time Mm -hmm. period is going to be looked upon in the future right (laughs) this might be looked upon as the worst time for movies and then Mm -hmm. if your movie is dated people are going to go into it watching it with a a preconceived notion about what time period it was in and they're gonna have judgments about it so i felt like it was good to have stuff that was older but could still be around right at any point in time right so a shitty hotel 20 years from now could still be around yeah certain places a payphone could still be around so i was trying to find stuff that didn't that just wasn't too specific to a time period yeah i i actually it was i think it was five years ago which even then was seemed like way too late uh, for this to happen. But I actually saw somebody talking on a payphone, okay. and um, <laughs> and yeah, and this was like 2015, and um, and I tried to like discreetly like take a picture because it was just so unusual. And then of course it came out kind of blurry because I was trying to be like really you know really discreet and not be just some you know creeper taking a picture of someone in, <laughs> on a payphone. But it was just so strange to me to like walk around a corner and see somebody having a conversation on a payphone. Oh. I mean, you probably wouldn't even necessarily notice a payphone unless somebody was on it, right? <laughs> yeah, you just walk right by it. And you still see the spots where they used to be because they, you know, they, the phone company, I don't know if they came around and took the phones or if people just stole them over time and they never got replaced, but they still leave like the box and everything around and it's just the phone part is gone. Yeah, they totally. <laughs> but that's everything, right? You cancel your cable, and they leave the wire to your house and all the shit on it, right? But if you come to a, like a city like New York, you you, kind, you you see people on payphones every now and then because I guess tourists. Every now and then, a tourist yeah. will use a payphone because like calling using their cell so phone in another that. country. Maybe I don't know if that can be expensive. Case. I don't think that's the case. No, I don't anymore. know. To be honest, well, I don't know. We'll look into it and find that. <laughs> Uh, I, it's a little bit it's off topic but i remember when we cleaned out my grandmother's house we realized that she still had uh she still had the phone that belonged to the phone company um like the one uh. that they would like lease to you oh, I with your it, account right. like it was it was hardwired into the wall um wow. and she had a forty thousand dollar <laughs> rental bill <laughs> we couldn't figure out how to give it back because i yeah. mean you know i mean ma bell had been broken up and reconsolidated wow. you know multiple times probably many, many years prior <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, interesting uh, fact with that in the, the mo- she was watching like a tube television an older television and we oh, were reading another review right, from someone it was like right. i couldn't she's watching this old tv and i just the second I saw this antique television, I couldn't concentrate yes, on the movie. There was someone who <laughs> and I was like, dude, couldn't get like... past the TV. And I was so fascinated by that. Cause again, like just my age and the time period that I come from, like I don't again, like so one of those things where like if I was watching a movie and somebody was watching a tube TV instead of a flat screen, 
like it wouldn't even register in my head. I have a two TV in my bedroom. <laughs> like we're not that far out from that technology being outdated, are we? Uh, I guess so. I there, there, but there was this uh, this guy reviewing it. He didn't have anything really bad to no, say. He, but he liked the film, and it was a cool review. Like he just he was really, really, really like freaked out by this tube TV that she was watching. <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, the things that people allow themselves to be distracted by, I think, sometimes really, really blow me away. Um, you know, when somebody says, when people just look at things and go, well, that would never happen. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why we're watching a movie, because if I wanted why to... Why a movie? Yeah. <laughs> I, say, I say it all the time. I'm like, just let it be a fucking movie. You know, because if it, that doesn't happen, the movie's over in 10 minutes. It's got to right. be a movie... There's certain things that just you have to just let it be a movie and just watch it. Right. Yeah. Just things unrealistic things are gonna happen. It's sure, like, like, someone should have turned left, but they went right <laughs> instead. You know, like it just you just have to let it be a movie and just watch it. Be, Not every movie has to change your life or be the best movie you've ever seen. Like just <laughs> just go with it. Enjoy it. Let it be a movie and then watch something else if you didn't like it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it'd be like watching. It'd be like watching the Roadrunner and going, well, that, that's not how gravity works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then there's no cartoon. Right, then there's no cartoon. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. But that's, I mean, that's the way I watch movies is, you know, I'm like, okay, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to take me, um, you know, let's, let's see it. And, uh, you know, and I, it's, I find a lot less to complain about that way. Well, I, I prefer to enjoy movies, right? So my... I watch movies because I like them and I want to enjoy them. So I, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief because mm-hmm. I want to watch the movie. I don't want to watch a movie and hate it and then be grumpy all night. <laughs> I want to watch a movie. I want to like it. I want to work with the movie. I want to be on the movie side. And I just want to have fun watching a movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, so there's a line when, you know, when the two, uh, you know, when the two uh, girls um, you know sort of meet for the first time um that it sort of speaks to me about anything you know anything that you do that sort of you know becomes addicted where she says you know that this place is like a cigarette where at first it's completely repulsive and then you get used to it and then you know eventually you you don't know how you ever lived without it yeah i, I don't know i was just writing and i imagined them <laughs> saying that you know because hotels are gross right i mean while we were there and it happened because when I first yeah. hit it, that that line came to life because when I first got to the hotels, this place is fucking gross. The floors were stained. Everything was disgusting. By the third day, I'm laying on the carpet yeah. with my <laughs> shoes off. You know, and I'm, the first day that I got I there, I was like, I don't even want to walk in here. And then I'm fucking sprawled out on the floor. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, and and half of like half of any like tiny bit of downtime that we had, like we really did people watch and like even the scene like like those weren't like paid extras <laughs> that were like i mean so many like times like in filming like there's one scene where like it's perfect where she's talking about like a, a guy going in and like seeing a prostitute and and just as she's saying that like the like a, a guy appears behind her in the hallway and like knocks on the door and like slinks into a room and and like that just really happened. Oh, that <laughs> like, was just a random, that was just a random guy yeah. who was in the hotel, <laughs> like was in the hallway who just like snuck into the scene, kind of. But like it fit perfectly. Um, 
And that's just like anything, like exactly as Brian said, like when we first got there, I was like, oh my God. Cause we had the, we had the crew and the cast, like we're also like, like staying there during, like while we were filming, like that's the hotel that we use for everybody to like sleep in and stay in as well. And I was like, oh my God, we can't have them stay here. And everybody was like a little grossed out at first, but like, as he said, like by like the second day we were like laying around on the floor and like, <laughs> you know, like it just, it, yeah. <laughs> but it's also true in the sense of like an addiction, right? First time someone shoots yeah. heroin, they're probably fucking shooting heroin. I can't believe I'm mainlining right now, you know, but then they reach a point where they can't believe that they ever lived without it. Right. Or someone smoking crack, right? Some dude's going to smoke crack for the first time. He's going to be like, I'm fucking smoking crack. This is crazy. But then he's going to come. Because <laughs> I had a friend. I told you a story. Don't say his name. Not going to say his name. Good friend of mine. Great guy. And the story is actually in his favor. So he liked to experiment with drugs, smoking weed, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And one day, him and his friend they were like how do you make crack and they cooked up crack I can't and they were smoking it. i've never done a drug i'm not a drug person i don't even drink and he's telling me this story and he's like and he's sitting there and he just had this realization he's like i'm smoking crack he was like oh my god i'm a crackhead smoking you know crack. and then he used drugs for like a year yeah because yeah. he freaked himself out oh, wow. but your average crackhead the first time they're probably like holy shit i'm smoking crack and now you know you get addicted right I'm going off. <laughs> I don't even know where that went. <laughs> that went off on like a oh. wild ride. Uh, no, that's that's awesome though. Um, but I really so kind of getting back to it. I really like their relationship here. They're really, they're, um, you know, they're really like fast friends. Um, you can kind of just tell that they click right away. And um, you know, and and the the actresses, both the performances really sell it. I mean, I think it really, uh, it really works. And you kind of believe that, you know, that they would. You know, find this kind of uh, companionship together. Oh, it was interesting. They, we, we, we were auditioning people in pairs to save time, and they came in and auditioned with each other. Mm -hmm. And they met in the hallway like five minutes before, and they were like talking, whatever. And we brought them in, and we were like, "Do you know each other?" Yeah, because yeah, they seemed like they were friends with each other. And then they were so good with each other that we were like, "Let's." Like we knew immediately. Let's use like, well, them. We you know? like, like, oh my god, these are our two main actresses. Yeah. Like, and I don't know how it would have worked out if they each came in with a different <laughs> with a different person, right? Person to audition. That they came in together and they were just perfect. And we were like, oh, that's it. It was it was like beautifully natural. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, and it, and it comes through. Uh, it comes through in in the film too. Um, you know, I love like the you know the next day. You know, when everything sort of happens. You know, it's her. It's her birthday. Um, I love. I love that she says she baked a, a birthday cake, and, right. and I, I'm never. I'm never really sure if, um, you know, if that's just you know sort of a line. But you know, here's the here we went to the store and, and bought the prop, or if it's oh, it's or, supposed or, to be a joke. It was like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. like, it's fucking box Entenmann's cake, you know. She's like, I baked a cake. Um, and then um. So you have this kind of this this kind of happy moment, and you've you've established these uh, these two friends, and then you know the attack happens, and everything just in a moment turns very sinister. The score changes, you know, sort of immediately. Um, you know, the whole whole tone is um, we're we're starting to see, and I think it's a good thing. We're starting to see more in these uh, you know rape revenge type films 
that um, you know the attack itself is can, it, we're showing that it can be done in a way where it's still menacing, it's still creepy, it's still sinister, but you don't have that sort of male gaze, um, you know that that you might have had in in you know films shot in the in the seventies or eighties. Like yeah. spit on your grave where it goes on for the <laughs> fucking 20 hard. minutes and you're like oh my god can you wrap it up you know like it's so like yeah. excessive um that was actually very very important to us that we did not make anything like salacious or and have no nudity also i didn't want to have nudity to us you as know? Well. we didn't want anything um we wanted to shoot the scene as God, for lack of a better way of saying it, like, how do you shoot an assault respectfully? But we wanted to shoot it as... God, I wanted it to have a two-part, like, uh, not two-part, but like, um, so something terrible's happening, and then the camera pans around, so it's something terrible happening in this shitty place, you know? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like where I was going with it. Right. Because you're like, oh my god, I got assaulted, it's terrible. And I'm getting assaulted here, so it's even worse, right? Like, it was kind of, not worse, I guess it can't get worse, but I just wanted to show the environment in which it was happening. And how, like, and you don't really just wasn't need, a pleasant place to be in. You don't need to show the assault, no, really. Like, you know what's happening. You know what's yeah. happening, um, and you know the horror of it. And so many times, like, the sounds are worse. You know what I mean? Like, when when watching scenes like that sometimes, like, you know it's happening. And, and the sounds that you hear are, like, add to the, to the horror. And so I, that was a hard scene to shoot. Yeah, uh, it's that, always. That, it's, I think, I definitely think, yeah. Imagine, because then you get to imagine and right. fill it What's in, happening? right? Right. So yeah, because what, of... what you imagine is always worse than what someone could show you. Oh, absolutely. Right. And and panning around the room, also, we kind of get her perspective of the attack because that's what that's what she sees. Oh, um, of course, yeah. you know, she doesn't see the expression on her face, and you know, she doesn't even see him necessarily. She sees the walls, and exactly. Um, yeah, and then. Um, uh, you know, and you kind of cut that back and forth with, you know, her friend who's out in the hallway or just in the next room, uh, just to show, you know, how this is all going on sort of right under our noses. And well, you, yeah. you think about it every time you hear of a crime that happened in a house, like how many people drove by that house while some awful thing was going on inside. Right. So that's kind of what we wanted to do. We wanted to something terrible is happening and someone is completely oblivious to it 10 feet like, away. Yeah, like you know? so close, five feet away. Which is even more horrifying. Right. That help is five feet away, but it can't get you to can't you. can't get to it. Because it doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, so it, it's, that's really where the, where the horror begins here. And, um, but you don't linger on it. Um, you know, you, you, you give us enough. So you, it's, you're dealing with, you know, a, exploitative subject matter or something that you know would you would normally see in an exploitation film but the way that it's shot and portrayed here it doesn't it doesn't feel exploitative right i mean i also think how many assaults you need to see in a movie right we've seen a million of them do we need to keep glorifying it right right the other thing i really like is sort of the aftermath i mean we we skip over a lot of the stuff that you know maybe a, a lesser film might might try to say, oh, we've got to answer all these questions. We've got to show her going to the police. We've got to show this. We've got to show that. And 
and you really just sort of jump to the end of the night, uh, which is um, which is really all all we need to to see. And I really like the way uh, the way the relationship is handled here, just just in terms of you know of of how you know you know people should respect one another and respect each other's spaces just in general. You know, just sort of leaving outside filmmaking and things like that, where she she's like she's she needs sp- she knows that her friend needs space. And she's like, okay, I'm going to give you space. I'm going to leave and let you be alone, but I am going to check up on you, you know. And and if I think that, you know, if I if I think that I need to, I'm coming back over here. Right. Well, that's the greatest, not greatest, but what you look for in a friend is someone who's there when you need them, but isn't overburdening you in the times when they shouldn't be. And that's kind of how we tried to write that scene, like, because being on your own is terrible when. You when you're truly on your own in a bad situation, but if you know someone else mm-hmm. is out there paying attention, but they don't necessarily have to be in the room with you or be in your face, like just there, so knowing that they're there to support you should you need it, is is a it's it's a good thing for people to have. And I think it shows the the strength of their relationship, even though they were fast friends, it still was like a, a very deep relationship. Yeah, and and this is um and and I just was just looking over my notes here. This is this is another part. Where there's a couple of scenes in here where she's got the TV on, um, and she's mm-hmm. watching some uh some old uh, uh, westerns. So yeah, so we one of the things that we always find is that sort of like the same, I guess. Um, uh, what are they called? Films that you can use. Public domain. Yeah, public. I, my brain's not working. Public domain um, films, and then we thought it would be really great if we could, instead of having the like typical public domain movies that are always used over and over and over again, how great would it be if we could find some of these like revenge-filled spaghetti westerns that just all still happen to be public domain, but they they all have to deal with someone writing a wrong that was done to them and so we thought that that would be really cool because we never really saw anyone use well, it foreshadows that way right all the movies are each one of those movies <laughs> the plot is someone was wronged and they're getting and revenge they're right. right so she's watching it it's kind of moving the story along and that, and when i first came up with the title get my gun i was like this has got to be a fucking western there's got to be a western with this name already <laughs> it's impossible right and there wasn't so I don't know. Yeah, and it is. It, I mean, it is a great sort of Western-sounding name too. Yeah, I thought this was mm-hmm. for sure. And there was going to be like a like lucky us a spaghetti Western I've never heard of, or you know, just like some obscure movie name. Get my gun, and there wasn't. I was shocked. Yeah, um, and then she's got a bottle of J and B in this scene, which I think we see <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, that was our nod to Jalo. Um, that was just I, us being indulgent. Yeah, I wrote to J and B, and I was like, "Can we use one of your bottle, your labels in our movie?" They had no idea what we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, and the about. person who responded was like, "Why would you want to use that?" I was like, "Well, you see, we put together like a Jalo collage for them yeah. to show them because they had no idea what we were talking about at all." <laughs> so I guess the Italian reps, <laughs> sales they, reps, they were pushing it, it in Italy, yeah. <laughs> and they were cool. They sent us a bunch of bottles of J and B. Oh, that's and cool. Permission to use it. Yeah. yeah, they were they were really actually very cool about it. Because it's, I just felt that someone who knows appreciates that. We'll catch right? it right, and it'll be like a funny little thing for people to see. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so then we have the chapter two transition, which which is always like the kind of that was sort of the moment when I watched it even the first time where I just sort of I stopped the movie and I I scribbled down a few notes because you know I, you get again you're getting all this information just from the visuals you know without any dialogue or anything. I mean, we have the chapter two title cards, so we're sort of primed for you know the fact that um, you know we're seeing a different part of the story. Um, but then you know she she walks out of the shower, you see her pregnant belly, and you know, and you've got all the information you need now to understand sort of where the next act of this movie is headed and and what's right. happened to her. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking like the one segment ended and you're going to think, well, it's terrible. And I thought, well, what, how could this get worse? Right. So I, I just imagined one scene ends at nighttime, next chapter picks up, it's daytime and she's pregnant. So that would get like a whole, like, whoa, like that kind of reaction from the, yeah, the we, viewer. we wanted it to be a little bit of a like punch in the face to the person watching. And just, like, that would be like, the last oh thing God. anyone like, yeah. <laughs> would expect to ex- expect to right. see in that moment. And she's at the end of her pregnancy, so it's clearly like you know the whole uh, nine months a, have a passed. Very long time has passed. Yeah, um, and uh, there's there's a I, I wrote down this line just this this last time. <laughs> So, you know, the line I wrote down, which is great, great foreshadowing. Um, and, you know, I mean, if, and if you've listened this far, first of all, and you haven't seen it already, go watch it because uh, we're, we're going to spoil it because I do want to talk about oh God, the third act because so <laughs> there's so much there's so much cool stuff that you happens here. Can't talk about this far without ruining it for someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Proceed with caution. So there's the line that says, "Maybe she wants to kill you and take your baby." Yeah, right. Uh, maybe. <laughs> right? Maybe. <laughs> and so I guess who is this? Who is this person? Um, you know that you know. Like, is she? Is she just? You know, is she just a psycho? Um, or you know, was she? Did she sort of have you know, sort of benevolent intentions at first, and she just sort of loses control when, uh, when she can't control the situation? Or I guess in, in your mind, in this, in the movie, it really, it really doesn't matter because it's all presented in you know, in a very you know, sort of action-packed you know, sequence where we go from you know, from one you know, from from one sequence to another to a set piece. But I guess just sort of in your mind, sort of you know, writing and shaping the story. I mean, what's your, um. What what is your take on uh, on uh, on Roseanne's character? Uh, for me, she was just a crazy person trying to snatch a baby. You know, so she thought, well, I'll try to do it the right yeah. way, but yeah. eventually, just take advantage of it. If it doesn't work out, fuck it. I'm just yeah. gonna take. I'm getting this baby regardless, right? And she's posing as a doctor who's not a doctor. So who does that other than a lunatic? Right. She says a lot of inappropriate things, just acting weird the whole time. She gets progressively weirder. Yeah. Um, and we also wanted it to be, right, like, how much worse could it get for our main character, right? So, like, how much can this character endure? You know what I mean? Like, how much can she bear? Like, every single person around her is just getting worse and worse and worse. And also, you're watching the movie, you just assume... Well, this this is a revenge movie. She's going to go after the rapist. That's going to be, you know, the third act. Right. Well, it's not. It's this fucking crazy lady trying to, <laughs> trying to snatch her baby up, right? So I was trying to find something that just you wouldn't see coming. 
try to kind of like just switch it up a little, just a little bit of a surprise in the story. And I think it surprises most people. I'm not totally sure, but most people tell me that they didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. You don't, you don't see it coming and you know, you're sort of primed to expect, like you said, sort of the more, uh, the more typical revenge scenario. Instead, it becomes more like a, a you know, a fight for survival. Yeah. And that shit happens. There's crazy people that try to kidnap women and their babies. Like it's not something that doesn't happen. Like it, it actually does legit happens happens. (laughs) in the real world you you just we wanted to put something in there that you would not expect normally in what this film kind of started out as i guess something and like a plot device that wasn't just played out yeah yeah well that's true because usually when you see a movie like that you see uh, you see the child sort of growing up with someone who they who they think is their mother or father and then you know at, at the at the halfway point uh is when they discover you know that you know that they were stolen at at, at birth or or switched at birth or, or something like that you know that's usually mm-hmm. where you see that uh that kind of story you don't usually see you know like the 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 sort of you know violent ab- abduction um you know the only other movie i can think you know that that comes to mind you know sort of immediately with that kind of storyline is inside right yeah i mean that's it's kind of similar, but not really, right? Because she's coming for the baby because she lost her baby and that woman caused her to lose her baby. So she comes after her for that reason. Right. And it's I guess we've been compared to Inside. I mean, it's both crazy people coming for a baby, so there are similarities. <laughs> I mean, how many ways can you do it, right? Yeah, but you guys go even go places that uh, that Inside doesn't go. Um. It does. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, part of and I love Inside. By the way, it's a oh, great it's an movie. Amazing movie. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, I was like screaming the entire Man. time during that movie, just like screaming from the beginning to the end. Um, but also, it's like part of like that that amazing character that that Amanda that Kate Hoffman played was like, if you can. I mean, if you can believe it, it gets to the point where she's like, you're not going to take my baby. But it's not the like typical, like, I'm just going to like fight you so you can't take my baby. It's like, I'm going to make sure, like, I'm taking the baby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're not physically taking this baby for me. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief there too, right? Um with, I guess, some of the, like, you know, actual human physical abilities <laughs> that someone might have. Um, but we just, we wanted that to also just be, like, uh, another, you know, we didn't want it to be, like, a lifetime. Like, you're not taking my baby. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. we wanted it to go down, like, the other road. But also, people <laughs> complain about superhuman strengths, like... Are people supposed to be half-assed out, like crawling on the floor, like slapping <laughs> each other? Like, it's a, it's, it has to be exciting yeah. to watch. It can't just be like two people, oh, no, no, like flailing <laughs> their arms. Like, it has to be a fucking fight, right? It's a serious thing. Someone's trying to kill you. They're trying to kill you for your fucking baby. I think you might find that you have a little Some bit of strength. Superhuman strength. You didn't realize, yeah. right? 
right. some superhuman abilities <laughs> to do things that on a normal day you might not be able to do for yourself or to yourself. Well, and I, it's a movie, right? And it's a movie. And it's a movie. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's entertaining. And it's one of those things where if you haven't sort of, you know, if you haven't sort of accepted, um, you know, where the, where the movie's taking you at, at that point, then, right. um, you know, then, then you might as well, you know, you might as well, I don't know, watch, watch something else, I guess. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of where too, if you, um, if you've forgotten the beginning of the movie, um, you know, you might, uh, <laughs> you might actually like be, you know, really concerned about, you know, who's going to survive and what is the fate of the baby. Right. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about this sort of why you decided to you know sort of present it this way where you know you have your bookend, uh, the opening and the closing is sort of the uh, the, the same uh, the same scene. Because I I approached it like when you read a book, you read a book, then the timeline jumps around. A book is never just linear and then it ends. Right? You read a book. There's an opening. It tells you what happened and why you should be reading the book. Then it jumps back to f- earlier facts, and then a, memory a, or... yeah, and then it, and then in the middle of a chapter, it, it cuts to another <laughs> person in the book, you know, and then it tells their whole backstory, and it just it jumps around, and in a book, for some reason, you have that license to be nonlinear and just jump the story around to what information you need at that point in the story. And I just thought, why can't I do that with a movie? And we wanted the audience to have like that fun too, that when you realize that the movie comes back at the end with that, with the end bookend and you see what's happening, then it's like, oh my God, like we wanted that like excitement from the audience to be like, I see what's happening now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I also wanted it to ramp up to the point that by the time you back, got back to William Jose, it's like, oh shit, I forgot about this dude, you know? And then you find out what happens to him. Right. We thought it would be a really fun reveal at the end, kind of. Yeah, it, it is, and it definitely does. Uh, definitely does play out. Uh, uh, does play out that way. Um, and and like I said, I mean, and it, it does. If you're, you know, if you're sort of keeping your, uh, keeping your wits about you, I mean, it it does sort of make those climactic scenes, um, you know, a little more, uh, a little more palatable. You know, sort of sort of knowing. Okay, I wait. I remember. I've seen this. The baby. We saw the baby in the first scene of the movie, right. so we know the baby's okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it's a good. It's a great, you know, sort of, uh, you know, triumphant uh, moment for, uh, you know, for uh, for Amanda. Well, she has to get him at some point, right? Right. She has to. Yeah. You can't get away with you can't it. Get away. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you definitely, so we've danced around this a little bit. They get so, but the scene in the shed, I think, is, is obviously the most, you know, the most sort of brutal scene in this movie. And, and it really is something that I've, I've never seen a movie do ever. And I, I, I mean, I, not that I've seen everything, I'm not bragging, but I do, I do watch a lot of movies. And, you know, I've never, you know, seen a, you know, a, a self administered C section. <laughs> with with no anesthetic. Um, yeah, I just I was just thinking, what's the craziest what's the shit that she could do right now? Right, and it's like you know, this woman's had every like everyone just keeps like taking from her, right? So it's like that's it. 
no one's going to like take and it's like no one's taking anything left for me anymore like that's it like I am controlling this last scene and there's really nothing anybody can do about it and now we made the movie with someone cuts their own baby out, right? <laughs> so there's that too. There's a little bit of, yeah. you get to have that honor. And it's cringeworthy, right? Because you're like, the what the hell? Who <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, it's great. And then um, she, um, you know, she, she walks, she confronts, she confronts the woman who, who now is holding the shotgun and sort of tells her to pull the trigger. And I'm, I always kind of wonder when I watch this, I'm like, does she, in that moment, you know, does she does she remember that there were only two uh that there were only two shells in the shotgun? Or is she really just you know pushed to her breaking point where she doesn't uh she doesn't care what happens anymore and if this is the way it ends, that's the way it ends. Yeah, for me that was my intention. Just fuck it, right? I'm She's just had enough. I'm a crazed human at this yeah. point. Shoot me, don't shoot me, right? It just doesn't even matter. And she cut a baby out of herself, and I don't think you would think the baby would survive outside your womb much right. longer, like under a rusty piece of sheet metal in a shed. So I think for, for me, it was just, just she not, had reached her limit. Yeah, like this that is was it. it. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah. like a like a fuck you. And then it's sort of her, her redemption moment when you know you, you hear the hammer click, and I guess I don't know. She she decides it's not her time after all. Um, or what? But that's sort of when the when the uh, when she turns the tables on the uh, on her attacker. Because it's like, well, it's like, holy shit! Like the gun didn't go off. Like well, also, now what? You a know? gun is like a powerful weapon, right? Right. So people walk around talking shit with a gun, and then it's not loaded. Now you, you know, like what now are you it's gonna, a totally different. What are you doing now, right? right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so we have this. We have this great sort of final uh, moment. Um, I love uh, you know you've got her friend uh, you know Rebecca's character who um, she she survives so much in this movie from having her throat slashed and stabbed several times and getting run over by a car. Um, just the legs, just the legs, <laughs> just the legs get run over. <laughs> but she's fine. <laughs> But going back to the C-section, I'm just going to divert yeah. for one second. Back, back to the C-section. Because I, I just, like, exploitation movies of the past, there was a time where they were released in rapid succession. Mm-hmm. And it was the excitement of, well, what's this one going to do that the other one didn't right. do? You know? So that's kind of like, I wanted to do the thing that the other movies didn't do. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the C-section. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, back to Rebecca. She gets her legs run over, right? I just thought that would be fucked up. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fucked up. How bad is it? You, you half like bleeding out on the floor and you get run over. <laughs> could he, she does could get, he get stabbed hurt? a couple of times. And, yeah. It's all you know, in good fun. All in a good day, you know. A good friend's day's work. Right, right. Um, and so now, you know, now we kind of get, we get, we go back to the beginning. This is sort of the final, the final chapter. And now we understand who this guy is and, you know, why she's, um, why she, why she tied him up and, and threw him in the trunk. Um, and, uh, and you hear that line again, you hear the line in the, at the beginning of the movie too, and you can kind of put two and two together at that point. Um, but now you really know you know, the full con- context when she says, you know, you have a wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I love that line. That's like my favorite line in the movie. I like the cigarette line. That's my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> um, and then she drags his head down, down the street from behind her car. And just keeps going, drives yeah. home. Just drives home. <laughs> I just I wanted the movie to end on her face again, so it starts on her face and it ends on her face. And I wanted a really cool shot for the end credits too, mm-hmm. so I thought it'd be cool to get all that in one shot. Yeah. You yeah. see the head through the window, you see, and it kind of bounces around the road <laughs> right. before it like falls yeah. off the rope. I'll say it kind of yeah, it follows the car for a couple of bounces, like it's like it's still attached to the rope. Yeah. Um, for a while yeah, until yeah. it rolls one, off. We had one take. We couldn't use it. Something else happened there. We couldn't use it, but it stayed on the whole time. It was fucking bouncing and like weaving back and forth, and it was all over the place. It might have been because you could. I think you could see Nick in the back. Oh yeah, our friend who that was his daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, he was girl. hiding behind the back seat the yeah. entire time. Well, we, we broke the cardinal rule. Don't put a don't kid put in, a movie, in a movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. You don't know how they're going to act. And the kid was great. She was a ama- Like, th- she was so great. Like, I'll say she's, she's super chill the whole time. She yeah. is and was. Yeah. But by the time the guy from the park chased us off like the 20th time. <laughs> it was really hot. She just must have been hungry or cranky or something. She just did not want to sit in the fucking yeah. seat for any reason. And especially sit in the seat and like drive off with strangers. Right. So he had a crouch down in the back seat. And I think you could see his head between the seats. <laughs> and so he couldn't use that tape. And I think also a car pulled up behind it. So the head was flapping around and there was a car driving <laughs> like right behind there. I had to find that clip. But it just, it looked, it was like, well, it, I think yeah. it was the first take we did. Right. And we watched it back immediately. And I was like, oh my God, this is almost, it's almost too much. It looks fucking insane. So it, right. was, it was bouncing like, <laughs> like six feet in the air. It was going all over the place. No, that's wild. Um, yeah, and you, you did find out from one of our friends who's a coroner uh, that yeah. that actually probably wouldn't happen. Just a fun yeah. fact. Well, he told me he, after he saw the movie, he's like, "I love your movie, but the rope would have broke. <laughs> there's he no was like, way. There's no way that you could pull a human head off like with that. a rope." I was like, "All right, so I'll consult you next time as my <laughs> death consultant." <laughs> let me know. Yeah, I mean, when I watched it the first time, I thought, "Oh, she's just gonna like drag him behind the car," um, right? And then you just see the head pop off. But he's, he's still tied to the pole from which he dragged it. His legs are tied to the pole, right? Yeah. So I guess I, not quartered. I don't know. Halved. Bisected, right? I, I guess, guess it's I guess. not really bisected, but beheaded, I beheaded, guess. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, you guys actually you have a lot of car stuff. There's a lot of scenes in cars um and like people talking in cars you know you have dialogue in cars and it's all it's all covered very well you've got the the coverage and the reverse shots and stuff so um you know i guess talk talk about that like why did you guys decide to do that you know instead of you maybe moving those dialogue scenes to you know to somewhere you know that's a little more easily controlled um i like I mean, when you watch a movie, the worst thing I think you could have have is two people standing there talking, right? So if two people are talking, they should be walking. Like, the conversation should start in the living room, work its way through the hallway, and end up in the kitchen, right? It shouldn't just be in one... Stationary spot. Yeah, like, just two people. This guy's face, that guy's face. You know, like, just cutting back and forth. So when you watch, like, a really good, engaging movie... You know, someone's talking and they're making a sandwich and then they leave the room and the conversation carries to another part of the location, 
and I guess with the car, it was kind of the same thing. So they weren't just sitting there talking to it. They were kind of sitting there talking to each other, but they were moving through the story. So they were going to work. They were moving through like space and time or whatever the fuck you want to call it to the next part of the story. And it just looks cool. <laughs> Shit in cars yeah. looks cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think we were able to actually, surprisingly enough, we had pretty good control. We filmed all the car stuff in one day. And I built all these like rigs that just like sat on the door and Mm -hmm. one that sat on the hood. I made all these things to just kind of move the the cameras around the car. But also like, you think back to when you're younger, the ultimate, like the coolest thing you can get when you're a kid is a car. Like, right, that's your ultimate yeah. freedom. So she's moved to a new apartment. They're working these shitty jobs. They're kind of young. They're driving an older car, and it still symbolizes like someone starting out in life mm-hmm. and someone getting to be free for the first time. You're in your car and stuff in cars. Ah, uh, I think it looks cool on screen, <laughs> right? And we just like the way it looks. Yeah, it's part of that. I'm sure the next movie I make, there'll be a lot of car talking <laughs> and eating. I like people eating. In yeah, all too. of our characters in this film, everybody was eating all the time. Yeah. It's fun eating. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to eat. <laughs> yeah, and and you um, uh, you talked about like building you know rigs for the the cameras and stuff. And I, uh, Brian, you're um, you know, pretty pretty handy guy. You're a car guy, um, from mm-hmm. what I remember, right? You like to work on uh, on cars and stuff. And you guys have actually made a lot of uh, a lot of uh. Uh, like hot rod documentaries and stuff. I think we made five hot rod movies and one motorcycle movie. Mm-hmm. So I can build a lot of stuff. I can build shit out of wood. I can weld. Like I'm, I guess, pretty handy. general overall yeah. handy, you know? <laughs> so that helped us save money too in making the movie because anything we needed, I just made. Or my brother, who also is really handy. So he made that shed. When they're breaking down the doors in the cabin, he made all the doors for the cabin. He just was making random stuff that we could like destroy or film in. Yeah. And it, it was actually a lot of that was like super fun. Like, oh, like yeah. the shed was like amazing to make. It was super still have the fun. shed. We still have the shed. <laughs> Behind the house full of rakes and shovels. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the shed looks really cool. And it's got like, like the slats are kind of, they're not like pushed right up against each other. Yeah, um, we left so. a little room so you could. We wanted the visual of, yeah. of being able to see Roseanne walking around the shed. We really, really, really wanted that visual of seeing her out there. So we made sure that the planks were far enough that you would be able to get like glimpses of her face and her the shape of her body moving around. But they're not too far apart that it looks ridiculous. Right. <laughs> right. I've seen <laughs> movies where someone's like walking past like a. <laughs> two fence posts you know it's just like absurdly spaced out that it just yeah. looks stupid <laughs> right no no but it looks uh it looks it looks great and first i thought it was an outhouse um right <laughs> <laughs> oh look a shed in the oh, woods full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> well where what would even be worse than giving yourself a c-section in a shed and in a fucking outhouse oh, horrible overflowing with shit <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the next film um speaking of your next one i know it was about a it was about a year ago or so i think that you were um you were you were raising money for a new horror film project that i think the plan had been to shoot this past summer um but obviously i know our uh 
um uh the the, the universe may have had other plans so um yeah. i guess is there anything on that you guys uh, want to talk about or um, you know that's still sort of in the works well, i wrote that i wrote a script that's a lot of fun and it takes it takes place almost entirely outdoors so we might try to shoot that just because of uh the whole COVID pandemic thing, filming outdoors might be a little safer towards the right. end of the pandemic than everyone being like squeezed into a, a tiny room. Yeah, we were kind of playing with a couple of other like script ideas and and we just really started thinking, you know, we don't know how much longer, God, that this is going to last for. And even if things do start getting better, do we really want, like Brian said, like people indoors or would it be better to try and film as much as we possibly could outdoors to like to still get like the film starting to be made and I know that especially for indie film most of that's just been on hold for the last year and when it does become safe to start filming again maybe just for the safety of everybody involved cast and crew and everyone we can get something going again outdoors would probably be best for everyone but I also have another script idea that I'm actually writing right now that it's just like a normal uh I say normal <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it has many locations that could be shot like in and around New York City. So we'll have both and it's just gonna depend when the time comes, what kind of resources we have available to us, right. if we have enough money, if we find the right people. So hopefully right. this year we'll shoot one of those two. Both ideas would call for drastically different well, casts. So, and yeah. drastically different look. Just the whole yeah. approach to it would be completely different. So we got to see which one pans out. Cool. Well, that's that's exciting, and you know, I'm definitely uh, interested to see you know more of what you guys do. Um, you know, if you if you if you can't tell by now, I mean, obviously, I'm a I'm a real big fan of the the film. Um, uh, Thank I love you. the love the DVD. Uh, I've got to, I know you guys have a, um, uh, a Blu-ray that just came out right in, uh, in Germany. Yeah. But they cut a bunch of stuff out of it. I guess they're very yeah. strict over there. I, I didn't realize it. <laughs> we didn't realize we knew that they would censor a little bit, but we didn't realize how much they would censor. I mean, I think they cut like 10 minutes out of the movie. Yeah. Like it's oh, like wow. a, it's a, Maybe not that much, but they they did significantly. There's a lot. There's, there's definitely several minutes. I looked at the time and I was like, "Oh, it seems like a lot." And I was like, "What? What could they possibly have cut that much out?" Then I'm watching it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess they cut that out." <laughs> oh yeah, that too. I guess they yeah, asked everybody. Yeah. All right. So the best, the sort of the unrated version is still the uh, the the American uh, DVD. Yes, yeah, that's the full version. Yes. And there's so many things that we didn't get to do that we would have wanted to do, but there just wasn't the money or the resources right. or the time. I mean, if we, we had, time. if we had more money, the movie was <laughs> been fucking insane. There was just so many things that just couldn't be done. So hopefully the next one we'll be able to film on a grander scale with a little more money and just make something that's just really insane. But fun. <laughs> but fun. And has a message, right? Sure. All this thing. Light, a lighthearted, <laughs> lighthearted wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah oh that's great um that's great and you guys are on shutter and now i forgot to mention that um yes so yeah. if you want to see it uncut you can watch shutter totally on shutter. Yeah. yeah just the full that's the version. regular american version yeah so 
Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of places that people can go check it out. Um, I hope you I hope I hope they do. Um, uh, you know, Brian and and Jen, is there? Um, you know, thanks first of all, thanks for um, you know coming on uh, and and talking to me about it. I I really appreciate it. No, thanks um, for having us. Thank you. Is uh, you know, is there anywhere that um, you know, people can sort of follow you and keep up with you and and uh, and your work, so they can kind of hear what's coming next and and that sort of thing. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, and I think Twitter. Yeah, I started a Twitter account. I don't what? think I don't think I have many <laughs> followers yet. <laughs> what's the uh, Instagram? Uh, if you just type Brian Davis, my name, it'll come up. It might be under Atomic Hot Rods, but it'll it'll come up as my name. Or Facebook, yeah. Send me a friend request. If I'm not maxed out, I'll <laughs> accept you. You can do Get My Gun, though, on Facebook, too. It's Get My Gun. Film, yeah, so, yes, we have yeah, Get My Gun also. As well. And so as we start to get closer to planning and doing stuff with the next film, of course, we'll be posting on Instagram and Facebook as well. Oh, I'll self-promote to the point that no one wants to <laughs> hear about it anymore. Right? That's really the only way you can get the word out about stuff like this. Yeah, you have level. to though. Um, yeah, you have yeah. to keep at it. I mean, that's you got to stay ahead of those algorithms um, because I'll see stuff. Uh, I follow a lot of filmmakers on uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter and Facebook, and sometimes Facebook's the worst because um, you know I'll see uh, I'll I'll see a post about a uh, you know a crowdfunding campaign or something, and then realize that it was from three days ago. Right. Uh, and I'm oh, like, wow. why am I just seeing it now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, I would see stuff like that about movie screening back back when we should yeah. go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, after would, the screening, yeah, it would show up. See like a, yeah. like just a post from like a movie theater that I follow or a film organization, and on like Wednesday I'd see a post about shit that happened last Friday. Yeah, so I don't know what what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's crazy. All right, Brian Darwas and Jennifer Carchetta. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and talking to me about Get My Gun. No, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah. you for having us. This was a lot of fun. Everybody out there listening, please go check out Get My Gun. You can find it on Shutter. You can get a DVD. I will put links in the show notes as always. I hope you check it out. If you enjoy the show and you want to hear more of it, uh, please let me uh, let me hear from you. Uh, you know, leave me a rating, leave me a review, send me an email, notsuitablepod at gmail.com. Go to my Anchor page, anchor.fm slash nsfapod. You can send me a voice message, and then you might just hear yourself on the podcast. But above all else, if nothing else, please go watch the movie, uh, rate the movie, leave a review on Shutter, leave a review on Amazon, uh, go on Letterboxd, uh, whatever, uh, whatever your place of choice is. And, uh, and until next time... Uh, This has been Patrick Anderson with Not Suitable for Anyone. Uh, Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Brian, uh, very much. Uh, You guys take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.